Hey, everybody. Welcome into this edition of the First Baptist Big Spring Podcast. Glad you've joined me for this episode. Today, we're going to continue our series on Heroes of the Reformation with probably the most famous of all of the Reformers, Martin Luther. And so we're going to take a look at his role, some of the things he taught, some of the things he believed, give you a couple interesting things he said, and just uh, encourage us to examine his life and some of the core things that he was believing and teaching, uh, and particularly some of the things that he was teaching and preaching from the Bible in against the authority of the Catholic Church at the time, at the start of the Reformation here. You probably know Luther is most likely most famous for nailing the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg. And that's that's how we know him best. And basically those 95 Theses were 95 thoughts on the reasons that the Catholic Church at the time was doing it completely wrong and against primarily Scripture. And so he had been reading Scripture, learning Scripture, and began to realize that 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 wasn't in there. And in many cases, it was completely opposite of what, what was being taught. And so Luther's Reformation comes as a result of the study of the Word of God and his thoughts and his mind and his study were driven by that. But he was very controversial as well, not obviously within the Catholic Church at the time, but he was also somewhat controversial among the fellow Reformers that shared many of his thoughts and beliefs, but did not agree with the method in which he went about some of those things. There were also some disagreements with other Reformers on theological matters. We've already looked at one of those in a prior episode, particularly related to the proper mode of the Lord's Supper. There were also disagreements among the Reformers from Luther as it was in regards to the proper mode of biblical baptism. And so there were several issues that they had disagreements on, uh, but the primary issue was the way that the Catholic Church was doing things against Scripture. One of his major opponents in the Roman Catholic Church at the time was a was a man named Sylvester Prierius, and he wrote this in response to Luther's 95 Theses. He said, He who does not accept the doctrine of the Church of Rome and Pontiff of Rome, meaning the Pope, as an infallible rule of faith from which the Holy Scriptures too draw their strength and authority is a heretic. In other words, the Church and the Pope are the authoritative deposit of salvation and the Word of God and the book upon which it is collected that we read today is secondary. We as Baptists would thoroughly agree with Luther on this in that the Word of God is the highest authority, not a figure in the church. As Baptists, we take that even a step further. In, in our Baptist life, we don't have a, even a leader of the Baptist church. Uh, we have 
the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but he doesn't have the power to change theology, to change belief and doctrine. He can certainly make recommendations and is looked upon as the leader. The pastor of the local church set aside by God, uh, but the highest authority in the local body of believers is God and his word as revealed in scripture. And so we see Luther having a strong, strong belief in that particular area of, of salvation. Now you may know that he nailed those 95 theses to the door of the church on October 31st, 1517. And basically that is the date that we look upon as the formal start of the Protestant Reformation. At the start, he really wanted to just better the future of Christianity. He wasn't looking to completely revolt and start a Reformation, but that's what it would end up becoming. One writer said about him, he said, it, it entails uprooting the very structure of a European reality, one that had been growing and thriving for these many centuries. And so Luther looked at it as a way to reform the church, but the church looked at it, the Catholic church looked at it as a complete and utter attack on everything that they had been doing. And so that was uh, exactly why he was such a threat. A lot of interesting facts about him in, in terms of history. He, he broke with Rome, and he, he wasn't very friendly about it. Let's put it, let's put it that way. He was very open there. And in his explanation of what he did, he, he said, quote, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. The word did it all, meaning the Bible. And so he believed thoroughly that the word of God was the highest authority upon which salvation and scripture and the church should be completely wrapped around. Uh, and he enthroned Jesus Christ as the Lord over the church and revolted against the Pope. At one time, he even called the Pope a mark of the Antichrist and certainly a mark of the devil. It's not a way to win friends and influence people by attacking it in such a way. He wasn't wrong, but that at the time would, would certainly find yourself in a lot of trouble. He ended up being sent and agreed to appear at... Uh, at a basically a conference where he was told he was going to be allowed to speak, uh, but then after that he was actually going to be arrested and most likely sentenced to die, burned at the stake, something like that for being a heretic, according to the Catholic Church. Frederick III of Saxony actually faked a kidnapping of Luther and placed him inside a castle in order to avoid that fate. Uh, acted, he, he believed in his message, and so he faked his kidnapping in order that Luther could escape. He's probably, in his personal life, probably, probably most famous for what was, uh, what would have been termed the scandal, has been termed the scandal of the century in the Catholic Church. He, Luther, an ex-monk in 1525, 
married an ex-nun, and Catherine von Bora was her name. And there's probably no more scandalous activity in all of the Catholic Church at the time than for a monk to get married to a nun. Uh, they were celibate. They were not going to marry, and they they did. One of the first times where there was open uh, rebuke and and basically a in your face to the Catholic Church. We don't believe that scripture backs up this. Luther even named his wife as his sole inheritor, which was extremely uncommon. And actually a judge actually ruled it illegal when he eventually passed away. And so he was revolting against many of the things at the time there. You may know him as a famous preacher and revolutionary Protestant Reformation leader, but he also uh, was a talented musician. He would play the lute, not the flute, the lute. You can ask Alan, our music minister, about that. Ask him to play you a song on a lute. Uh, I don't know if he knows how to do that, but you can ask. Uh, and he would translate the words of songs and write new songs, not in Latin, the language of the Catholic Church, but into his language of German. And he would also compose original hymns. Probably his most famous hymn that he has written was A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he made singing those hymns and other songs a central element of a worship service, which it was not at the time in the Catholic Church. And so this was, I mean, a Matt. We can't imagine a, a Sunday morning worship service without singing fo followed by preaching, but this was not the tradition at the time. Our our worship today in the 21st century is primarily modeled after what Luther began to advocate for there in, in this time. His legacy continues on. He taught a lot about a lot of different topics. He blazed a trail that many were unwilling to go down because they knew what would it, it was going to do. Uh, he was very forthright. He actually wrote a book in 1545, and, then, and the title of that book was Against the Roman Papacy, an Institute of the Devil. Uh, probably not on the reading list of many Catholics of the day, and I would say it's probably not on their reading list today. One of the banned books that the Catholic Church has there. He was very, 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 very forthright in what he said and what he told other people that he believed, but he would always, always back it up with the Word of God. Now, you can argue, and it has been done, not only by Catholics, but also by Protestants as well, that Luther's methods may have not been the most loving and the most biblical in terms of how he treated his enemies, uh, but his knowledge and his application and his appreciation for the Word of God can never be doubted in that way. He, he believed what he said. Uh, he, he believed and he backed it up with Scripture. When he posted those 95 theses on the door, number 45 said this, 
Christians should be taught that he who sees someone needy but looks past him and buys an indulgence instead receives not the Pope's remission but God's wrath. So at the time we talked before, they were selling indulgences to pay for wars that the Catholic Church had been fighting. They needed to raise more money. And so they would sell these indulgences and it would raise money. And it was basically you were buying away your sin is essentially what was going on here. And Luther said, those of you, not only is the Catholic Church wrong for selling the indulgences, but those of you that purchase it are just as guilty of being shown God's wrath. The story that he used to back up that 45th thesis was the story of the Good Samaritan, as well as the second great commandment given by God, by Jesus. Now you should love your neighbor as yourself. And it's true that the, the church needs to see the Lord in his in in your earthly talking and walking, because our our faith is rooted in history. But Luther began to reassert that in seeing that it happened through a written a written record. Luther was one of the first reformers that said the Bible must be the central teaching of the church. All things, all instruction comes to the church from the Bible. Those things, that, that is the source. He, he did not discount the Holy Spirit in personal experience, but what he did discount was those that would say, this is how it has to be. And, and he would ask, well, that's not in Scripture. And, and he would speak strongly against that. Luther was a student of the Word of God. He read it over and over again. He just continued to read. He said this about reading the Bible. He said, when I was young, I read the Bible over and over and over again. And so I was perfectly acquainted with it, that I could in an instant have pointed to any verse that might have been mentioned. I then read the commentators, but I soon threw them aside, for I found there in many things my conscience could not approve, as being contrary to the sacred text. Tis always better to see with one's own eyes than with those of other people. Now, Luther is not saying that we should throw out all our biblical commentaries because it can help us understand what he is telling us as students, as believers, as preachers, as teachers, as believers that are engaging with the Word of God, we should never read something else to get all our source about the Bible without reading the Bible first. Dr. Robert Smith, the preaching professor at Beeson University in Birmingham, Alabama, who was here about two years ago. I, I know you remember him and his preaching from that Sunday morning and Sunday night. An amazing, talented pastor. He, When he teaches students to preach, one of the things that I've read in some of his things and heard from him in his writings is that when you prepare to preach a particular passage of Scripture, you should read the text 50 times, 5-0, 50 times before you ever pick up anything else to read about the text. So if you were going to preach on John 3, 16 through 18, you should read that text 50 times before you ever read anything that anybody else said about the text. And so it's really important, and Luther would say this is extremely important. We should be cautious about learning things about Scripture from other sources when we have the primary source, the Word of God, 
right in front of us. And so Luther was, was certainly central in his belief that Scripture was the highest authority on all those things. He also said this, he said, there's great, he said, there's great danger in thinking we've ever gotten to a point when we don't think we need to study anymore. In writing to other pastors and leaders, he said, let ministers daily pursue their studies with diligence and constantly busy themselves with them. Let them steadily keep on reading, teaching, studying, pondering, and meditating. Not, nor let them cease until they have discovered and are sure they have taught the devil to death and have become more learned than God himself and all his saints. Now, he's not saying that you're going to win the devil to Christ or you're going to become smarter than God. He said you ought to know the text, the biblical text, as if that was the case. You should be so well acquainted with Scripture that you can, it, it's almost as if like you could teach God the Sunday school lesson that day. He said you need to be that acquainted with the text that you're preaching. He was, he endured ruthless slander at the time. He, he was spoken against. They wanted to kill him. Uh, they, he was lied about. He was, uh, you, you, you name it, and Luther endured that. But his legacy lives on. He is the most well-known reformer, a lot of that due to his 95 theses. But others in, in church history have, have taught us and said Luther was their inspiration. Luther was the one that spurred them to have the guts to go out and do what they said. And his, his, his legacy will continually live on because we as Baptists, we're not Lutheran, a whole denomination named after him, but, but we are we are Baptists as a church. We hold Scripture up and in the highest fashion. We believe that it's true. It's inspired. It's the Word of God. It's inerrant. It is, it is what, what we believe as a church and that we are to follow it. Luther was one of the first in history since the early church fathers back in the first century to actually believe and proclaim that with great authority, and we rest our our lives and our church and our salvation upon the Word of God being true. In 1934, a pastor from Atlanta named Michael King traveled to Germany to visit some of the historical sites, and one of the sites that, as a pastor, he obviously wanted to see was the church in Wittenberg, where Luther was the pastor, the university there where he was the, the professor of theology. He wanted to see some of those sites that were so famous that he'd read about all through the Protestant Reformation. And he became so inspired by Luther's writings and seeing the things that, that Luther had done, he actually decided to change his name. He, he also changed the name of his five-year-old son at the time from Michael Jr. to Martin Luther King Jr. Takes a lot of guts to change the name of yourself, but also your five-year-old child. You're so inspired by the teachings and the preaching and the Reformation leadership of Luther that not only did he change his name, 
he changed the name of his son, who also happened to grow up to be a pretty famous pastor in the 1960s. See, Luther was an outstanding figure in the history of the church, an amazing reformer. And the reason his reformation and his beliefs and his theses and, and all the things that he taught had such great power is because they came from Scripture. Almost nothing he taught was not directly written down or repeated from the words of the Bible. And he was attacked for it, not from the Bible, but from church tradition and from a lot of other places. You see, when we as a church, when we as believers rest in the Word of God, the Word of God will outshine anything else. You see, there's nothing more powerful than the words that God has said, the, word that's, the words that God has revealed. There is nothing more powerful than those things. So I challenge you to read the Scriptures for yourself. Don't just read what somebody said about them. Don't just listen to a sermon on Sunday morning. Read the scriptures for yourself. Seek the truth of the word of God and know that God will speak to them. So thanks for joining me today. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Look forward to having you back with us next week.